Vidang Jividang Yawani Panam Dhammam Jividang Yawani Panam Sangam Jividang Yawani Panam Saranam Gachami Very nice to be back here with all of you. So losing a, a parent is very significant. One by one we lose our parents and then we are orphans. When you think of an orphan, you think of a small child who has no parent. And when we have no parent, it's as if, as a small child, it's really serious because a parent is a, a symbol and also a resource for every child of safety, refuge, guidance, love, and friendship, care, so many things. So there are children who have parents that don't fulfill those functions and they are just like orphans even though they may have parents and then there are children who don't have parents but they are not orphans because they still even if their parents are gone they have some kind of inner strength which gives them the ability to parent themselves. And it's something that we either have or we learn. We learn it through our parents or teachers who guide us because they teach us the things we need to know so that we can let them go. We don't keep them forever. And it's the same on the spiritual path. We start out with a teacher or teachers who show us the path. But eventually, we have to let them go and guide ourselves on the path. I learned many years ago that listening to this kind of teaching with pen and paper, you just still in your head. And if you listen with your heart, you don't need to write anything down because there's a chance that it'll be written in your heart more. And really these teachings are for opening the heart, not for... You can't memorize this stuff. You have to know it from your belly. You just listen and whatever you take in, let that be even if it's one word or one sentence. My teacher told me when he was speaking, and I was sitting in an ancient building, and I had this tiny little notepad, and I was taking notes, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm writing a poem out of what you're saying. And he said, 
weight on your heart. He was very wise. So, coming back to letting go the parent is not an easy thing because obviously we develop a lot of attachment to those that we love. And this is a path of letting go of attachment, but you can't do that just by thinking it. You do it by understanding what we are and what this passage of birth, old age, sickness and death is really about. And we also see that no one dies. And the most important death is the death of greed, the death of hatred or anger, and the death of delusion. So if we can let those things go, greed, hatred and delusion, then that would be the most important death. Then letting the body go is just the requisite for being a human being. But for a spiritual journey, the body is a vehicle that takes us as far as we need to go. And then we rise, leap into the next level or stage or chapter of the journey. Or else we are, if we're very blessed, then maybe we don't have to journey anymore. And that's really the goal of the path, is to be completely free from this wandering. The Buddha talks about the raft, the Dhamma is like a raft that we use, the teaching we use it, and all the techniques of meditation. We use these as a way to cross from one side of the river of being to the other. But when someone is able to cross and reach the other side, then we leave the raft behind. But we don't leave the raft until we've crossed. So the body is like a raft. The body is a vehicle that carries this flame of knowledge or of conscious wisdom or awakening or potential for awakening from one side of this river of being or this ocean of samsara to the other. And then we let it go. But if we don't complete the journey, if we are fortunate, then there may be a chance to return to the human realm or to a realm where enlightenment is possible. That would not be one of the lower realms. So, coming back to crossing over, the Buddha teaches us four noble truths, the truth of suffering, of the origin of suffering, the cessation of suffering, and the path leading to the cessation of suffering. So, if we intend to cross over, it's not something we can do without learning from suffering. 
So if a parent dies, or if we receive a diagnosis that we have a terminal illness, so this is another suffering that a being would have to go beyond to be able to realize the deathless. Our practice is a tremendous support to us in situations like this. So how do we do that? How do we go beyond the suffering? Think about your life and what's the worst thing that ever happened to you? Many beings face so many kinds of abuse, violence, violation. Violence is not only with weapons, but through hatred of one human being to another. Or lack of recognition that there is harm cause, there's no conscience. So what we do when we recognize that the pain that we cause others inflicts pain on us is we begin to wake up to the origin of suffering. And if we hold the pain that other people inflict on us, whether it's intentionally or not, then we hang on to that violence and we continue to violate ourselves over and over again. So this is why for many beings when suffering happens we identify with it so much personally that we can never cross over beyond it. We just keep repeating it. It's like recording something and continually playing it back to ourselves and believing that that's, it's personal, it's a reality, this is, the, this is our truth, and we don't go to the next level, which is from the, the suffering, the truth of suffering, knowing its origin, and bringing it to cessation. So the crossing the river of being, or crossing the river, the ocean of suffering, starts and ends here in the heart. It doesn't end by getting justice in the world, nor does it end by ending the violence in the world. But it begins and ends by knowing the suffering within us and ending it within us. And we end it within us by stopping the recording. It's like you press the button. But we can't just do this from an idea. We have to do it by plunging into the sensation of the pain and experiencing it through the body. And this is one way of doing it. Right now, try to remember for yourself what is the worst thing that ever happened to you. Just close your eyes and try to remember it. Try to remember it and try to feel in your body a sensation connected to that event. If it's shame or a, a physical 
physical pain or a sense of breach. If it's a sense of horror, grief, distress, panic, rage, anger, resentment, helplessness, vulnerability. What is the feeling that comes up in viscerally in the body and where? Just notice that and see if that speaks to you in any way. Do you feel a sense of being crushed, pressure, deflation? Do you feel small, large, a burning, a coolness, a cold, an ice, an immobility, a fear, an intense contraction? feeling, a tearing, ripping, searing, cutting, bleeding. At what sense door or where in the body does the violation or the deflation or the loss or the panic, fear, anger, whatever comes up in the body, what is it that you feel viscerally? And just know that. And as you feel it, breathe into it very tenderly, very gently. And allow that feeling to spread. It's spreading beyond that one place in the body where this insult or maybe abandonment occurred. Just feel that and feel if any tears are coming up or an expression of the body trembling a rejection, a defendedness, a stiffness. If anything like that is coming out, just know it. Know it and feel the associated physical sensation, emotional, shutting down or trembling in the face of it. Touch that. And keep breathing into that. And so we touch suffering. And we know the suffering. And see how the mind holds this. The body holds this. And our ability to raise it back into consciousness is there. 
we do this in a different way than when we first experienced this trauma or trouble or loss in our lives. And then we open our heart, our chest area, we breathe more deeply, expanding our awareness around this sensation and letting it very gently and consciously, intentionally, we let it go. It's uh, like a mother letting go a child. We allow ourselves to die to this sensation. Just this once. Instead of grasping it, clinging to it, we just let it die. Let it be. This is a death. It's a good death. Graceful, peaceful death. And it's an acknowledgement of the work that this path asks of us. It's not to ignore the pain that we live through and not to suppress it or crush it out of memory because that cannot be done. But we feel it and we understand it. This is pain. This is suffering. This is dukkha. It's a teacher. It gives us a different strength. The strength to know deeply all that arises within us, everything. We know its nature is to arise and to cease. It is not permanent. And by returning to it consciously, we give it the chance to fall away. To really, we just give it the chance to be intentionally put down. And that gives us a freedom from it. A freedom we may never have known. Even if it's only for this moment, it doesn't mean this won't arise again because of memory. But this time, we're aware and conscious. So, we can learn to free ourselves from the fear of the memory, the avoidance of it, the unconscious holding of it, because we consciously bring it into the light. We radiate it like a cancer. We radiate it. We disperse it. We dismantle it consciously. Conscious this acting in the field of the body. Because the body has its own memory. And in this way, we heal it. We create, we give birth to an integrity. Uh, like sealing or stitching together a whole 
fabric of the body and consciousness together in a whole holistic, organic way. And from that burnt ember of memory and bodily knowing, we regrow ourselves, we teach ourselves what it is to wake up, to be awake in every pore and cell of our being. We gather all the tenderness within us from every sinew of our body and every strength that comes from that is the foundation for our waking up. This is how we move towards what is deathless, what is not impermanent. And that is an experience that is completely of the mind. You see, once the mind is free of holding on to the past in any way whatsoever, then we have a chance to free ourselves from every kind of dukkha, suffering. Whatever loss, whatever tragedy, whatever accident, whatever insult, whatever attack, we can do this. This work is so precious. It asks of us complete honesty. This is an honesty that is then translated into everyday life. We can no longer cheat or deceive anyone if we learn not to cheat or deceive ourselves. And then we follow this morality to its very ultimate point, which is Nibbana is the highest purity. Without that level of purity, we cannot realize the highest peace, the cessation of suffering. So, in this way we can learn that every pain, every sorrow, every difficult karma has in it a precious teaching for us. And that precious teaching brings forward the path to enlightenment, the Eightfold Noble Path. It begins with generosity. We're paying attention, deep attention. We're not distracted by the world by worldly sights, sounds, smells, tastes, sense gratification through the body, or thought. We're not wandering in samsara anymore. We have a singular purpose. And the meditation practice helps to sharpen our attention and to undertake a diet for the mind.
of skillfulness, of peace, of non-violence, internal and external, of beauty, of mind, loving kindness, compassion, unconditional, empathetic joy and equanimity, unconditional. That means no matter what condition we're faced with, that's the path. And the teaching comes through these sufferings that we face. And the blessings arise as we practice. So next time you feel yourself caught in a painful situation, just stop and reflect what truth are we learning in that moment? What aspect of the path can we bring forward? Which one of the tools that we've learned can we bring to the situation? Instead of thinking something is wrong, this is to be avoided. We can't. We can't control what happens to us. But we can direct our mind skillfully. And that's how we grow in the Dhamma. So, joy is hidden in sorrow. Not something to believe, but something to experience. Even if it feels like we're being torn to pieces, we have the ability to persevere, endure, bring up the qualities of mind, the strength of heart, the energy, the mindfulness, the stillness, the calm, the fearlessness, to penetrate through and bring forth the ending of that suffering right then and there. It's a moment-by-moment path. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It just matters that we keep going. The disciple comes to the Master and says, Pray tell, how long does it take to get enlightened? And the Master says, It only takes one minute. And the disciple says, one minute? That's a very short time. And the master says, that's 59 seconds too long. Then <laughs> the disciple is puzzled. And he says, master, how can you say that? When so much spiritual endeavor is practiced, and still people do not realize the truth. How can it just take one second? And the Master says, to see the truth takes one second. But to learn how to see the truth takes a very long time. So I offer you that for your reflection.